Off the Record on the Rocks. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Off the Record on the Rocks 2023 edition. Happy New Year, my good friend, Mr. Ankur Happy Lara. New Year. Happy New How Year, Michael Toner. I'm great. How are you? It's good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. It's been a nice holiday break. Got to take some time away from the computer, away from crypto and metaverse, but it was never too far out of sight and mind. Uh, how about yourself? How were the holidays? The holidays were relaxing um, as much as they were tiring. <laughs> a lot of fun was had, a successful New Year's uh, evening thrown, and, you know, honestly, a moody sky, a moody energy here on the West Coast in Los Angeles. It's been raining off and on for what feels like months, actually only been days, um, but I think it's raining more here in the last five days than it has like in the last five years. So uh, a much a much um, a, a needed quenching of the earth. So everyone's pretty happy. Well, I feel like when we last spoke, we were talking about the the moon and the energy going into the holidays. And, you know, we were dealing with the, the sort of the apex of Sam Bankman Freed and, and the FTX fallout, but then we, we knew we were going to go into this holiday quiet period. All the legislators leave Capitol Hill, go back home, spend the time with their families as long as they could catch a flight. I don't know that they fly Southwest, but that's a different issue, I guess. Um, and I don't know. I feel like today, for me anyway, uh, we had to recognize holiday on a Monday in the States. It's sort of awkward in terms of markets reopening. Yesterday mm -hmm. kind of felt like a throwaway day. Today, January 4th, really felt like to me the first day we're getting back to work. Um, and really the first day I felt going into the new year, like, okay, I got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of stuff to, to get done, a lot of stuff to build. And I guess that just gives me uh, some excitement about all the brands that are still thinking about coming into Web3, figuring out crypto. I mean, there's been a bunch of movement even still over the holidays in the regulators gearing up, uh, planning for what is to come in terms of the US regulation of crypto markets in some way, shape or form, whatever that's gonna end up looking like. Uh, I don't know, man, just feeling the positive vibes as we go into 2023. It's a it's a bear market. Everyone's still talking it that, you know, that recession's coming, but I'm feeling excited about what that means in terms of January. So what's your take? How are you feeling? What are the vibes? You know, I'm feeling, um, I share a lot of those vibes too. When you come out of a, a strange Sunday, Christmas and Sunday, New Year's, uh, here in Southern California and Pasadena, there's the Rose Parade, which happens every year. If you know, follow us, it's the Rose Bowl. But on Sundays, you're not allowed to have the Rose Parade or the Rose Bowl. So you have New Year's Day, but then you have to wait until the second, like you said, that's awkward Monday. And then there's the, the Rose Parade and then there's the Rose Bowl. Um, so it, it, it makes it, it's hard to kind of get excited coming out of that little stutter step, uh, to go on to the next thing. But what I look for are just those key indicators, both in like our, my work life and personal life. Like what's the, what is it going to be the story of January? What's going to be the story of the first quarter? So many stories that we talked about that you and I talked about in the world, all things crypto, all things metaverse, all things NFTs, all things, you know, um, cryptocurrencies. 
um, they all come kind of building and rushing towards the holidays. And there was all this fabulous news. Sam Bankman fried FTX, regulation, come testify in front of Congress. Uh, we're going to, you know, deport, we're going we're gonna, to uh, bring you back to the United States. We're going to extradite you. And then it's Christmas. And everyone kind of goes away. And I always wonder what is going to, what's going to make it through to the next year because not all of it will a lot of it just kind of gets forgotten right get a rent you get a break period exactly and you get to think a little bit and so i you know i was sort of lamenting the fact that we couldn't chat over the holiday our schedules were both so crazy but some of the news that popped that hit me it was it was uh unusual is like okay sam bankman freed's two closest partners right there's a one man and one woman who live in the polyamorous penthouse in the Bahamas <laughs> with other people, two of them decide they're going to just go to the FBI and they're just going to say they're guilty and they're going to just kind of turn themselves in and they're going to become informants, it seems like. And that all happened pretty quick. Um, and people even saw Caroline Ellison out in New York City, like having coffee with people in public. Sam McMinfree was seen in the American Airlines luxury lounge just on his computer or whatever he was doing, even though he wasn't supposed to have access to the internet. And then he comes back and he's in his parents' house wearing a little prison bracelet on his ankle he's at his parents house in stanford california yeah. on 250 million dollars bail under house arrest or whatever seems like sort of a soft way to handle an international criminal who just lost 50 billion dollars if you ask me but i i'm not you know i'm not part of the government who was managing this and then <laughs> he just, it just came out that a couple days ago he just pleads he just pleaded not guilty he yep. just pleaded not guilty and Saw that. Uh, and, it, and then that, that whole narrative you think about like could if it was any other human who wasn't you know in the MIT gang whose girlfriend wasn't Gary Gensler's goddaughter whose parents didn't <laughs> write so the crazy. tax book I mean the, the amount of crazy so it shouldn't be any surprise maybe to us that that's sort of where the thread that gets pulled through but I guess I was really surprised to be honest Michael that um, that story coming through the holidays would be that Sam Bankman Fried's going to plead not guilty and because there's so much more random news stories in the cycle, it almost is lost and buried. I don't think anyone even noticed it who's not paying attention like we are. Yeah, exactly. That 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 already seems a distant memory. Um, I think there were a couple of covers of the magazines. I don't know whether it was Time or, or one of them that showed sort of the, the great crypto crash. I got to find this if this is legit or just a meme that I saw. But um I think that, yeah, that's been the narrative. We talked about this in Q3, Q4, as markets were really hitting, you know, a, a low from what were the all-time highs in 2022. That was the public discourse around uh, crypto and what SBF rep represents. But I guess where I, I, I'll pull out a couple of other stories that we saw as we were going into the holidays, that uh, the China to launch the first national digital asset marketplace this was sort of buried right before new year's like right in the middle of that cycle when nobody's paying attention that you've got um china announcing kind of an nft backed marketplace like a state backed place to sell uh these non-fungible tokens and and a you know trade digital copyrights and digital property and collectibles and anything that's gonna uh fall under this you know, NFT definition. And the reason I say that is there uh, in this article, it says the platform's underlying blockchain is called China cultural protection chain. 
you know, what does that mean? These guys are building their own blockchain and, and you can put anything on it all of a sudden. I think that's huge in terms of what does that mean for the US? The US will be forced to react to that, right? In some way, we, we would be forced to react to that if all of a sudden there are things that China quote owns on their blockchain being bought and sold on their digital marketplace. Well, what wouldn't we want to transact there and how are we going to do that? And then you've got this, this U S federal agencies announcement that you sent me from yesterday that the fed, the FDIC and the OCC have teamed up to wish the banks, they regulate a FUD filled new year <laughs> with warnings about the risks associated with crypto assets and their efforts to contain those risks. So they're getting sort of, uh, a warning directions about here's what you all need to be thinking about when it comes to crypto. It just, again, feels like when, when announcement, when regulation, when, when are we going to see that bill hit the floor and will it get approved? And <laughs> I, I think it's going to be pretty soon, maybe January. Yeah, I think it's going to be super soon. And in this case, uh, it feels like the United States government is absolutely following in the footsteps of the Chinese government. The Chinese government has a different set of means and ways that it likes to approach things. Like basically the Chinese government, if you remember, has come out over the last, like we talked about like seven or eight years, whether it was Bitcoin mining, whether it was digital asset creation, they'll go through these cycles where they'll say it's banned. And if you ha are running any Bitcoin servers, we're going to come and we're going to arrest you and confiscate everything. And literally they'll go kick the doors down. Somebody who probably obtained the okay approval, like some months earlier from the government is like, what are you talking about? You guys told me it was okay. They're like, not anymore. And they put him in jail and take all this stuff. And then by the way, they'll take all of your you know, knowledge. Then, oh, hey, it's okay to mine again because it's cheaper now, electricity is cheaper. And then people start mining again. Oh, nope, now it's 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 banned and now we're gonna come get you. And the same thing happened with like NFTs, you guys are gonna make a bunch of money off of this. No, 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 no. We do not believe in NFTs and we're gonna ban them. Then they come out and say, by the way, we have a fully approved and working marketplace. The government runs and owns its NFT back. And we partnered with one private company to power it. Classic style. So now the United States sort of as an analog is, we're gonna do the same thing. It's just that we don't come and kick the doors in and arrest you for the mining rigs. <laughs> we tax the crap out of you. Then we give you a warning, the warning shot of, yep. hey, everybody, here's a little like list of who's naughty and nice for the new year. How about you guys make sure you follow this and this and this? And that's going to go for And if you weeks. don't, we're going to know. On the 22nd or 3rd, we've been calling this, but like that week or two following the 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 was it the the new session of Congress that comes usually after the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, weekend is when the regulation is going to start. And to take it back a few episodes for our listeners, that was when we noted that there's the e dollar or the CBDC, the central bank digital currency, this is the e cash, whatever it is that it's going to be end up being called. But ultimately, it's a CBDC, central bank digital currency, is in a current test, and the test started. Basically, three 12 weeks ago. <laughs> back, yeah, 12 weeks ago, back from where we're coming. Because right they now. said, we're going to run this pilot for about 12 weeks. And we were like, what? <laughs> what? Really you're telling I mean, us how long you're going to run it for? Thanks. 
And, and by the way, I wish I could run a pilot in like any other job I've had for 12 weeks and say that we've already figured out everything we need to know after three months and we're ready to roll. It seems very quick. Yes. Let me, let me just riff on this for a second because I love the way you described China has this approach and the U.S. does things a little differently. We, you know, we, we've talked about this concept of the mafia mentality and, the, and how the mafia runs, but you also sent me this other New York Times article Coinbase reaches $100 million settlement with New York regulators. This is from what, today? Yesterday? Today. Yeah. I mean, talk about how we run things. The, the headlines does not read the way I described the first headline from China of China-backed NFT marketplace, but the headline does read Coinbase reaches $100 million settlement. It could just as well read <laughs> US-backed NFT marketplace Coinbase. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just settled it with New York regulators. Coinbase is going to be the on and off ramp for this thing. They're going to be the first mover, and they're going to get the the backing when this USDC comes along. We've already seen it, and it's not just going to be Coinbase. There will be others, but I think they're the precedent. They're the biggest, so they're going to be the ones held up to to help enforce the regulation. Yeah, and let's also not forget that it is also very. Uh, Chinese government style for the American government to basically roll in to Coinbase and say, hey guys, remember when we helped facilitate your IPO and a few of you guys got super rich and a lot of you got pretty rich? Well, we found that there are some irregularities with the way that you've identified your customers. And since we are going to be leaning on you as a pseudo arm of the American government to know what our citizens are doing, we're going to need to fine you 50 million, if you read the article, 50 million just for the violations of the KYC, um, uh, which is a know your customer. And then we're going to force you to invest 50 more million, effectively making a fine 100 million, to build out all these new technology systems to make for all for this risk you know, prevention, all these things in the wake of FTX. So look at the timing of this. FTX has to fall. Boom. First during the twelve during the twelve week test of the CBDC, so that the government can come to Coinbase and extract yet another one hundred million dollars of value, because no private company is going to operate in the United States. I mean, it's, it's even my saying it out loud makes it sound like it's a it's a communist conspiracy. But it's like, no, you can't operate here free of you know in a free market economy. Right, you're going to pay us, and then you guys made how up. much? <laughs> You're going to be the onboard off ramp, uh, on ramp off ramp for all this stuff. Now, let me throw one other little uh, story into the mix that also just kind of piqued my interest, um, which is you were talking about Capitol Hill. We were talking about Capitol Hill earlier. You know, right. we come back from the new year and there's a circus, right? It's like McCarthyism of time happening. McCarthy, McCarthyism 2.0, I call it. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, the point I was making, like these. Congressional fools are wasting hours going through cycles of roll call votes. Just the money alone that it takes to operate that building with all of those fools in there just calling names and calling numbers and doing it again and doing it again. I mean, each vote takes hours. They did it yesterday. They're doing it again today. I don't even know where things have come out in the last few hours. I know uh, he lost four votes. Four cycles of the vote that you're talking a collective six to eight hours of wasted time that these guys should be getting and prepping their crypto packages to bring to Capitol Hill next week because they need to figure this out quick. 
Yeah, and who pays these guys? Who Sam Bankman-Fried. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Bankman-Fried, but also you and me. These are these are elected officials being paid with American taxpayer money. Yeah, they're just burn. I'm, as I'm watching this, as my mom, uh, I saw my mother. She's like, you know, Happy New Year. Hey, you know they're on cycle number three, and McCarthy can't get the votes. I'm like, just imagining money burning, just burning in these bins inside the Capitol Federal Building. But but here's here's my my angle on that, which I think is kind of interesting, is until they can elect a speaker of the house via this antiquated you know michael toner i you got to stand up you got to call someone's name you got to do their you got to point this way you got to do it just so if you don't do it just so that lady won't record it just so and it gets more and more protracted in the timetable and everything else but until they identify that individual who will be running effectively the government i guess because i didn't realize without a house speaker you couldn't just run the government can't keep this going new, new, new information to me but yeah. until they figure that person out all investigations into sam bankman fried and ftx are on hold because there's no committees that can work so here's the conspiracy theory oh wow <laughs> buying time how, how long can you buy t- are you buying time until Days. friday the two-year anniversary of the January 6th insurrection, when you start really pressing those 19 who are the who the 19 Republicans who wouldn't verify the vote two years ago, who are still holding on to the the, the stop the steal lie, like where, where are we heading? What we're buying time for? What? I almost wonder, like, are we buying time for FTX to have an accident to for SBF to have like a voting accident? Like, what what are we buying time for here? It's very odd. But so much of what was already rolling with good momentum, including the CBDC program, by the way, uh, that we're supposed to have be rolled out to us, is all kind of in this in this uh, weird middle state, and I, there's nothing happening. So I'm just it feels like every day that goes by without something happening, we lose the fire and the energy to want to make something happen. Well, eventually it it will break. It could take a few days, but yeah, I, I was. I was just as surprised to hear from you the antiquated rules and the parliamentary procedure that allow them to just keep calling this vote, you know, for months until it gets solved. But that they, I mean, there would be, I mean, that Jesus, I didn't even think like we're two days away from that anniversary. Um, yeah, it's what a wild time. It's, it's, <laughs> I don't the, even the know where to go with that. But you know, for me, it's just that it, it, what we've talked a lot about is people stealing the narrative over many, many months now and how the narrative, it's almost like it's a white elephant party. If you've ever been to a white elephant party where yeah. you have these different gifts and they're blind gifts and then someone in the white elephant party might get a gift that's more desirable than, say, the gifts that are still wrapped and you can steal it from someone else in the circle. And I want to say there's like three steals and then it can't be stolen again, we used to say, right? So like the fancy wine and cheese you know, coupon gets stolen three times, but all oh, grandma gets to keep it because she stole it third time. It feels like the narrative <laughs> around crypto and around all this legislation is a white elephant present that literally yeah. is being stolen and there's one group wants to steal it for the third time. And it feels like right now, the government, the Fed, they have their control, which is they're going to tell the American people what matters based on the kind of news stories that get written. And as long as they play this little game called confusion and delay, they can just remove themselves further and further away from issues that people cared about until people are so exasperated that they, when they finally do say, okay, now we're moving forward, that everyone is just so relieved 
that we won't even care what's you know the the, the hope would be uh. for them is we wouldn't care. It's, oh, thank God we're working again. I'll just as long as we're working on one or two things, that's great. But those other eight or ten things that we were talking about before the new year, it's okay that we're not going to deal with that now. Like we're, they're really trying to wear us down in our resolve, and yeah. uh, they're doing a great job of it. And then they're going to hit us hard in two or three weeks with like, oh hey, hey government's back running, test is over, CBDCs are here. You're paying your taxes in crypto. Uh, welcome to the new America. And Biden's going to go out like this, you know, with aviators and come out of Air Force One and with his, <laughs> pumping his fist and be like, we did it. We did it. We, we, we beat China. We beat China to the punch. <laughs> I mean, that, that in and of itself, I think, is an important part of the narrative that we haven't even – you haven't heard much out of the White House. Uh, at least I haven't been hearing or paying any attention over the holidays that there was any movement. But I would expect – you know, maybe that's another piece of it too. It just keeps the White House quiet because right now the the other branch of government just looks like a, a mess. Uh, and once again, it's kind of an embarrassment to the world. We've talked about a few of those incidents over the last few years that America has really looked like a just a country that can't keep itself together on the brink of breaking democracy. This is kind of another one that I'm sure on the global scale doesn't have great optics, especially if we're simultaneously talking about trying to be the ones to help usher in this new uh, new Web3 economy into the global market, you know, but we can't even elect a Speaker of the House. That's, that's also concerning. Um, yeah, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. I think taking things, I know, uh, into the metaverse. So if we've covered the the political regulation, the crypto markets, and what's happening in in that the the macro, bring it all the way down to one of the things we left uh, on uh, on the on the last episode, talking about the new Yuga Lab CEO and talking about all the gaming environments, talking about what's being built. So while all this craziness is happening, don't forget you've got all of this movement happening by the actual builders, the companies behind the scenes that are readying all of the things that are going to run on top of blockchain. Um, I don't know if you've seen um, anything, anything else out of any other NFT projects or any other metaverse. Yeah. Uh, so uh, something hot for, takes. Me, for, for, yeah, hot takes on NFT. So the la what we left um, with was this this question mark around, you know, heads of traditional gaming companies, major players like uh, Activision, Leeds, bouncing away from what seems like a sweetheart deal in terms of the acquisition of Microsoft. We thought, okay, what would be that? What's the underlying story here? Well, it seems like maybe regulators in the United States are going to break that up and not allow that deal to go through, which would make a lot of sense as to why they jump ship and they're not going to get the huge stock package they maybe thought they were. Um, but Metaverse and NFT, I feel like, is starting to collide a little bit. And maybe gaming is the, the, the rubber band that has the two bound together, the concept of gaming, since the two sort of coexist, right? But um, what I've been interested in, in following is the backlash of certain groups back with a backlash against NFTs, pro-Metaverse, but against NFTs when it comes to gaming. So I just read recently that Nike, um, Nike's artifact... Uh, I want to say it was one of their C-suite people at Nike's Artifact lost a whole bunch of his NFTs to a hacker um, and some kind of a social engineered 
uh, I don't think it was a fully technical hack, but I want to say it was, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of NFTs gone, um, you know, from this guy who's ostensibly supposed to be one of the most secure, you know, employees of Artifact and a partner of Nike. Um, and then that sort of a quick follow along was you have some different traditional gaming companies who are testing these you know, let's just say that games in the metaverse are all very similar, right? You have a character and avatar running around. They're almost the same. They're just two different ways of describing the same experience. If you're a gamer, like a gamer would look at a metaverse project and say, oh, it's like my video game. Um, but the gamers are starting to react negatively to the integration of NFTs in the games, that their gaming experience is suddenly no longer just pure entertainment, but like I'm, it's all, I mean, my, my uh, metaphor would be, the, these companies are trying to integrate NFTs into the gaming environment. It's like trying to make the patron of the museum go through the store first and then go see the gallery. Like they're making them go through the experience backwards and gamers are starting to, to, to um, revolt. So some famous game companies like Activision, like Ubisoft out of France and others who are known for these big titles uh, are having gamers come and just blast them on social and on Twitter and be like, Hey, like I'm not here to buy a bunch of your little bangles and baubles. I'm here to play the game. And you're, you're detracting from the fun because I have to like link wallets to do I what actually now? Like, have to pay for this. Yeah. That's how do I do this? Like, what are you talking about now? Gamers of course pay to play games. They buy them or they play for free. And then in the game, they pay to buy a skin. Like the gamer in them, their mind is already predisposed to know they're going to spend money to upgrade their game experience. It may just be the heavy handedness, the awkwardness, the crude integration of say an NFT marketplace as a way to play the game because of the way it makes you feel, or I mean, I'm not sure exactly why, but anyway, for me, I'm going to be tracking and I, and I throw this back to you as a question, just, you know, NFTs beyond the collectability, which I know you're deep into with um, Labs and your board ape, but NFTs as the way that gamers will customize their game experience, it almost feels like it needs to be couched different for the acceptance level to rise. Well, well, I just did a couple of quick searches as we were on here, and one of the headlines that came up from yesterday, Final Fantasy parent Square Enix is Square bullish, Enix, yeah. Uh, on, and I'm not familiar with these guys. I'm, I'm Final Fantasy, of course, but I just didn't know the, the parent company name. I should have. On blockchain gaming in 2023, the Tokyo-based video game giant is already developing multiple blockchain games highlighting an area of growth amid a brutal crypto winter. So maybe that narrative, again, is them giving them time to set up, you know, on the back end. And the other thing I, I'm hearing, just analyzing what you're saying, because I'm not a, a big gamer in that way, but if you're talking about a hardcore gamer who maybe between the ages of, I'll say, I'll give a giant range, like from 15 to 40, you're, you are describing undoing a behavior, but for mm -hmm. everybody under that, the younger market, they would never know the difference. You, you see what I mean? Like somebody who comes yeah. into a game to start playing it for the first time, and you're telling me there's an option where I could actually own these assets versus I could just play somebody's game and it, you know it goes away and it's just for entertainment? I, I don't know. That's an interesting... Uh, yeah, no. You, what, 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 I think what two. you're saying is is probably more accurate than what I was originally thinking. Because if you do go look at Twitter and look at the people who are blowing up these companies, it is hard to to tell 
well, the age of the people is a lot is older than the average you know young gamer for sure. Now, Final Fantasy, what you described, is a franchise that's now like in its fifteenth or sixteenth iteration. It's a very lavish and rich texture type of asynchronous kind of battle game. It's all about the characters and the and, and it's, it, it, they look like collectibles. Let's just say it that way, right? They're very attractive and beautiful. Um, you know, even the head of EA has come out and said. I mean, in, in, all the heads have come out and said NFTs are the future of gaming. Like they've even said it in those exact words. Um, it's just that as of late, you know, you can say NFTs are the future of gaming week after week, month after month, and if you don't do anything, then is it ever real? But the only thing that I'm hearing now that's real is this backlash, which maybe it's just a, a, a cause of, you say, like the age gap, but maybe it's also that no one has come out and explained yet exactly why or, or how they are the future of gaming. Because even Call of Duty, who spoke about again early, early on, hasn't really integrated that yet. You know, maybe doing the full blockchain overhaul for these companies is not as easy as it seems. Um, and the fact that they're quiet means they're actually working versus, well, you know, marketing. And up. I think if you throw Yuga in, I think we talked about this too, like they, they have a giant task ahead of them, which is they did not start as a gaming company. They started as an NFT uh, company and and blockchain technology and now moving into the metaverse to build a game um but they've already got you know this built-in community of owners call them thirty thousand, that are going to be able to bring their assets in to play the game so there's an incentive already built in i don't know it kind of brings me back around to that whole play to earn concept which has kind of fallen apart that still has merit there's still merit to this idea of doing something inside of a game can be creating value with which the user playing the game can earn that to me is the threat to the the final fantasy you know parent companies of the world because they will die if they do not adapt that model long term because if you, mm. even if even if I'm a an avid gamer and I love to do it for entertainment, but I get good at it and there's an option for me to go play this game over here where I can basically do the same thing and I can earn money, again, that economy, and I know I'm making a giant leap there that somehow those economics are going to work, but I'm, I, I, I think there is po the possibility of that coming to fruition. I think that's what Yuga is banking on that there's going to be a value and an incentive to showing up and playing the game uh, to be able to earn and unlock and win other rewards as NFTs as part of their ecosystem. And that incentivizes me. I'm, I'm more willing to go try to do that than something where I'm, I'm not going to ever earn or own the assets. Yeah, and this, this goes all the way back. So I'll take it all the way back to the original, the original role-playing game of which many of these role-playing games for video games have evolved, which is Dungeons & Dragons, late 70s, early 80s. And they unwittingly created a mechanism to reward gamers for time spent playing the game Dungeons & Dragons. It's called experience points, or now commonly XP, which you'll hear across so many different games and platforms. Experience points is basically an analog for the amount of time. Now, in the old Dungeons & Dragons days, the bigger the monster... The more experience points but really it's just how long are you adventuring and playing the game it gives you the experience which causes you to level up which is another term that we can all you know trace back to the original original gaming um you know world of dungeons and dragons 
when you play games today like Fortnite, when you play games today like Call of Duty, just your time spent in the game, playing multiplayer, 100 people on an island, or playing you know squads, four on four, every minute that you spend in the game environment accrues to some form of XP. There are tasks that you can that you can perform that can also give you boosts. So that's the analog to like beating the big monster. Um, hey, you raised six flags on this portion of the island, you get this much XP. And the XP gets converted into these different stars. It's almost like you're earning your military ranks, right? Your chevrons get bigger, deeper colors, more bands, more dots. And then one day, which to your point, someone's just going to take the lever and go and switch it and say, we're no longer doing stars and points. In the background, it's going to be all a new Call of Duty coin. Cod coin on chain, and we're going to have these these skins. Which, when you buy them, you own them. We're not even going to tell you that you own them until months that go by, until we figure it out. And then we're going to say, "Oh, here's your Cod wallet, your Call of Duty wallet. What's my Call of Duty wallet? Oh, look, you can go in there and see all the things you've done and performed, and you own them, and you can trade them. And now there's a marketplace. So, I feel like we're headed towards it. And I feel like you and I know how to do it. I just hope that these guys do because it's been a lot of talk. And we haven't seen a lot. And it's been like this now for a month, over a year. Yeah. You're talking about Yuga specifically or just any of the I'm talking about just any, any, any game yeah. company doing a true NFT marketplace of any kind. Yeah. Or any no, kind of crypto I, anything. I, I don't know what just made me think of this either, but there was this saying over the sort of the web 2.0 world of, of software is eating the world. And I think it's Mark Bernioff, I think Salesforce. Uh, I think I, I yeah. hope that, that that's the, the right source. It just makes me think in Web3, gaming is eating the world it, it, because it's 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 what you use. Well, I'll take this. If software ate the world, then what do you use the software to do to build games? Um, because it gives you something to do inside of the software. And that game can be work, right? I think about even like, uh, like CRM and like getting getting a sales and marketing team to fill out a lead profile in a typical CRM, you, you there were ways to gamify that where, mm. you know, as you could, you know, lock down the fields of you couldn't hit save until, I mean, that's a game. Now we're playing a game, the software, the rules have been written that you can't, you know, complete this task without entering the information. I don't know. It's just interesting in the web three world, if gaming in that way, the way I just described the smart contracts, Mm. will eat the world maybe is the best way to put it because it doesn't need to be game in the way I think we're describing of, but, but smart contracts that can be, you know, proof of attendance, proof of, proof of admission. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you did this, 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 and this task, the odyssey, we've talked about Starbucks odyssey. Like I have no doubt in my mind, this is what they're going to be doing with that, that NFT program is like, if I visit every Starbucks, within a 10 square mile radius, it's gonna be on chain, it's gonna be recorded and I could be rewarded for that. I've just played a game, uh, whether I knew it or not, to your point. So I don't know. Well, I, I like that, that taking the, the definition of game to that more, the higher level. I always loathe to say the meta level, um, but the higher level, because <laughs> on top of all that you just said, what you got me thinking about now is that there's a we're, we're on a collision course, and this is probably why there is that stymie feel right now in development in the media and the news of like what's NFTs and games in the metaverse. Because the gaming companies have always uh, they've they're the moat that's been built between everyone else and gaming companies is so wide and so deep over so long that when anyone says the word metaverse, 
the first thing that comes to their mind is what a video game looks like. Because we, as humans, have spent so long in technology and playing or performing tasks that are like games in various parts of our life, whether it's work or play, um, are familiar with the fact that there is going to be a beautiful 3D rendered environment. There is going to be a character walking through it or moving through it in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it'll be first person or third person. Maybe you'll see it from above or whatever it's going to be. And you're going to have certain goals and certain tasks that you have to perform. So now you have all of these folks in this metaverse, in this NFT world saying, well, we want to do our thing, but everyone expects it to look like the current video gaming. So if that's true, then we better go hire someone who knows how to do it just to get back to the Yuga Labs. Like Yuga Labs has no idea what to do when it comes to gamifying their community but the folks at Activision do. And maybe the reason why Call of Duty <laughs> is so slow at integrating NFTs is because they're like, we know how to make a video game, but God, we know nothing about this Web3 world. And that the natural collision of those two, we had said it uh, last uh, episode, it's like, these new technologies are moved by one of two things. It's either pornography or gaming. And it just so seems like for this particular format, gaming is taking the lead because maybe by definition, the transparency of the blockchain is it prevents porn from really being there because it's 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 open and available to everyone and not locked down in private i don't know but for some reason gaming is what's winning and there's going to be this like this these these two this yeah. dovetailing together this conflation of worlds and um until there's someone who is a web3 blockchain person who says i have a view of the metaverse and it does not look like Call of Duty or Fortnite or World of Warcraft until that person comes and shares that view, we're going to just keep barreling down the same pathways of known quantities, which is today's you know immersive gaming experiences. Yeah, I think there's supposed to be some demo of the other side coming from Yuga Labs, I believe in January or at least in Q1. So in, they've, I think that's been widely discussed. So we'll get another view, I think, of what the, uh, the in-game experience is supposed to, to look like and feel like. And I, I know we talked about too that really the the thing that they're trying to achieve is the the volume of multiple players uh, in a single environment. You know, to get to that um, that stability within that three D world to have a million people all in a single environment. So that's you know that's still on the radar um, of things to come. There's a whole bunch of stuff I feel like we didn't even really get to or touch on. Um, just there's. There's still uh, there's still a bunch of other things happening. We talked about uh, well, one of the things I saw anyway was uh, Apple in the metaverse. So that's another one to watch. I saw some rumor today about new leaks from the new XR glasses. So mm -hmm. that that has been going on for years now. The latest leaks today are like it was supposed to be released in 2022. Uh, there was some rumored price point of these XR goggles of $3,000 that to me feels like just a, a price anchoring technique um, that if that's the news and then when it comes out and it's actually only 1500, it feels like a steal. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know, keep, keep the eyes on, on the big guys still. Uh, what's Apple going to do next? What's, what's Amazon going to do when it comes to web three and crypto and NFTs, these brands are, they're figuring it out now on the back end. Yeah, and, and some of those articles that popped during the Christmas time, and we 
there's only so many times you can beat a dead horse. Um, but to kind of round it out for our listeners, you know, the after Sam Bankman frees under house arrest, you know, there's money leaving wallets that are controlled by Alameda Research and that are headed out to like various sources, supposedly even though he's under house arrest and off technology, money's moving in the background. Um, to your point about big brands making big announcements that almost kind of go by without much, you know, people noticing it. But I think you sent it to me, Fidelity, uh, the, you know, sort of stalwart financial brand that we can, that everybody knows and everybody has a 401k with is rolling out an NFT marketplace and a full set of financial services in the metaverse. They announced that, um, every, every, we, the walled gardens that all of these companies operate, whether it's Apple, and it's new goggles and how we believe that Apple's new, at least I do for sure, metaverse is going to be an AR metaverse first. It's not VR, right? It's an enhanced version of your existing world. It's a combination of digital and physical, digital. Um, but then Fidelity is going to announce their marketplace. Amazon will eventually announce some kind of a blockchain or some NFT marketplace. Facebook has their walled garden that they've enjoyed for so long. Everyone's going to have these little bespoke metaverses that all are going to somehow have to play together. So maybe the big, big opportunity is who is the technology that's going to be open in such a way that a lot of different companies can operate together or can collaborate together, um, or will that just never exist? And this thing called the metaverse will just be a giant open world video game, but you'll still have to log into your favorite console to play it. Well, I think maybe one topic we can get into, we, you mentioned the, the CBDCs and what I think we're looking at with in terms of the Eagle Coin and USDC. We need to keep an eye on that and win that 12-week program. But Polygon is another one I think to keep uh, an eye on. In 2023, they signed a massive partnership with Meta. I've seen them onboard a bunch of other giant brands. Uh, Polygon being that Ethereum layer two that has kind of broken through as a stable player. Uh, to build on. And I think that's one to watch in terms of other brands that start uh, latching onto that. I still haven't gotten my Starbucks Odyssey invite. Uh, I'll leave that as nothing from you either. All right. Um, But so maybe one one more thing to watch is as we look at legislation, it's going to come down with the Project Hamilton. Project Hamilton being the 12-week central bank digital currency test will be be winding down just in time for Congress to resume. Um, what uh, let's let's have one to watch will be XRP, which is also known as Ripple, uh, who has been under SEC investigation now, and or at least in, in some kind of court battle with them now for what feels like more than a year or more than a couple of years. Um, but they are, for those who don't know, were supposed to be kind of sort of like a stable coin for companies to resolve you know, financial transactions. If we're saying that the Eagle coin's coming and that the American CBDC is going to be accepted by, you know, <laughs> every major brand that you know, then it would stand to reason that stable coins in general are just going to need to fade away because there will be nothing that can stand up as a counterfeit to the American stable coin. So I wonder as soon as the legislation drops about our new e-dollar, will then they just drop a big old, you know, filing against uh, XRP and kind of make that go away for good and then go along and hit Tether and then go along and hit one after the other. We'll, uh, we'll love to see. But uh, my sense is that that's what's coming next. All right, sir. I love those predictions. We'll do it again next week. Great talking to you, Michael. Off the record, on the rocks. 